again, another story of there's still deals to be had on the MLS. I think there was a period in this year that I think the province was opening up. People were just having fun. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larvey. Welcome back. It is Sarah Larby. You are listening to Where Should I Invest? I hope you are doing awesome today. And we have a great guest, Victoria Suen, an architect, real estate investor, and developer who started at the very young age of 19 and began scaling quite quickly the past few years, focusing on conversions, burrowing single family homes. And she has focused originally in Mississauga and then moved over to Welland and has been also able to use her architectural background to really create some unique conversions, secondary suites, and so much more. So I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Don't forget to leave a rating and review. See you soon. Victoria, welcome. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. I'm excited to have you on. You've, uh, you've had a lot of success and uh, I can't wait to, uh, to hear your insights and what you've learned along the way. But before we get started, if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about you, your real estate investing strategy, so all the listeners can uh, get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, sure thing. So my name is Victoria. I'm an architect by profession and I started investing at the age of 19 but only really started scaling within the past couple of years in terms of my real estate portfolio. And these days I've been focusing on uh, the birth strategy, specifically on single family homes to uh, multi-units. And yeah, beginning to kind of expand a little bit in terms of uh, the strategies I'm doing. So um, a little bit of development, looking at severances and that kind of thing, but uh, yeah, just all part of the journey. Very cool. So you started investing quite young at 19 and you said just a couple, couple years ago, mm-hmm. what made you decide to go into investing in, in real estate rather than the stocks or, I mean, you know, anything else that you could do? Yeah. So I guess at 19, I was okay. By, by the way, I'm 30 now, so it, it is quite a bit of time ago, but um, okay. yeah, 19, I was interested in real estate investing because I was just looking for one better returns. I did invest in mutual funds a little bit beforehand, but also I just really had a passion for construction and building. So I loved, you know, the construction process. I love watching, you know, flip that house on, on TV. And I just love that. And I just thought, you know, one, it'd be fun. And two, it'd be a good way to make money. All right. Very cool. And so I guess you, uh, you are, you know, in, in multiple uh, regions. Can you share, you know, where roughly you're, you're currently investing and in, uh, in where you've got some properties? Yeah, sure. So I started investing in Mississauga and that's when it was affordable. I kind of just moved as uh, my budget could only allow. So, you know, at the time I was looking in the two, three hundreds, you could still buy something in Mississauga at that time. And then, you know, the next time I was looking for a property, uh, I, I was looking in Kitchener. I was still trying to stick to the 300,000 and below range. So I kind of allowed the budget to kind of determine where I was investing. And I did some research into the areas in terms of, you know, uh, the potential for growth and uh, the different uh, people that I could rent to. 
And now I, I mostly invest in Welland. I initially bought in St. Catharines, and then I kind of slowly moved towards Welland, given that it had some easier people to work with in terms of uh, in the city getting permits. And I'm sure many of your listeners have heard that before. And I've kind of just stuck around there for now. Yeah, I think my last three students have bought deals in Wallen specifically yeah. because, I mean, obviously the city is super investor friendly, which is awesome, but like a lot of bird deals still make sense. I mean, by the time this airs, who knows, right? But it's uh, it's definitely one of my my top five for Ontario for sure. Talk to us a little bit about like your architecture background and, you know, if you think that's that's helped at all with your real estate investing and, and if so, how? Yeah, for sure. Like I think in some ways it's helped me when it comes to the research and due diligence side. So when I'm looking at a property, understanding the zoning, can it have a secondary unit? You know, what is maybe stopping it from being converted into a multifamily? And given the cost, is it worth it in terms of investment? So being able to bridge that side has definitely been helpful. But that being said, not all architects go through that process as as part of their education or work experience. So I've learned some of that through different work experiences, but I've also learned a lot of that through kind of applying my knowledge. So um, it gives me, I think, a bit of a leg up in terms of knowing some of the basics to how to get started, how to find the material, but a lot of it is application. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, doing is the best way of learning. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Um, Are you able to walk us through, I mean, obviously it sounds like you're doing some conversions and, and some really cool things. Can you walk us through maybe like an example of one of your recent projects, what that looks like, what you did to it and, and the outcome? Yeah, for sure. So I guess specifically about Welland, the nice thing about the city is that uh, basically any zone can have a secondary suite. I know some cities doesn't allow for it, or for example, Niagara Falls, um, they have a zone where you can have a secondary unit, but then it has to be owner occupied. How the city actually determines if it's truly owner occupied, I'm not 100% sure, but uh, Welland doesn't have anything like that. And then on top of that, you can often have you know, a a single family converted into a triplex. Uh, So a three unit property. And the kind of easiest way to go about that is uh, first you say you have a bungalow, typical kind of setup, and then you convert um, the basement unit into a secondary suite. Um, In terms of what I look for, you know, a secondary exit on the outside, could be a side entry, rear entry, um, looking at windows, if it doesn't have a window for every bedroom or living space, is there an opportunity for that? Um, and then one of the big things is ceiling height. Does it have you know, a minimum six foot five ceiling height? If not, are there ways to get around it, whether you have to change around some structure or mechanical to make that happen? But is there that possibility? And how much does it cost to make it like legal? And then adding the third unit is uh, straightforward. Um, you know, a couple of ways you could do it. You could split the basement unit into two separate units. Um, and you might want to kind of first add the secondary unit, close that permit, and then add the third unit. The third unit being a secondary kind of second, it'd be a duplex application to add a secondary unit. So then you have the three units. Um, and that way you can kind of scoot around some development costs. Um, That's really important because mm -hmm. I want to stop you there for a second because this is actually like, this is key what you just said is 
you don't want to apply for the triplex right away or you don't want to do the whole thing because you're going to have development fees so way to get around it is to get your papers your permits closed for the duplex and then you go ahead and you reapply is that correct yes exactly and, and, and the, like the mind are the so, sorry. sorry what how much are the development fees roughly that you're avoiding by doing it this way instead of doing it all at once oh i haven't uh looked into those numbers but for example i'm right now doing a, a severance and then i'm looking to develop it so if i do a triplex build i don't need to go through site plan control if i do a fourplex i need to go through site plan control and it's kind of better off in that case to build a triplex then add the fourth unit after the fact in a similar fashion site plan control in that case is about ten thousand dollars to apply and now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors Hey everyone, I just wanted to pause and share with you a financing tip that helped me scale my portfolio and can also help you as well. By working with Streetwise Mortgages, I took a strategic goals-based versus a transactional approach to financing and they've helped me develop a financing roadmap that aligned with my goals and gave me some crystal clear clarity on where the money will come from to grow, how to maximize my borrowing power, how to structure future deals and avoid some costly mistakes, saving me thousands along the way. The financing roadmap is complimentary for every client who works with Streetwise and also very recently they've offered an additional summary report of the best to invest 18 Ontario markets and also a comprehensive deep dive research into a market of your choice out of those 18. I highly recommend that you take them up on that offer. If you're looking to grow your portfolio, to book a planning session and develop your financing roadmap, email info at streetwisemortgages.com. That is info at streetwisemortgages.com. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. And now back to the show. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's a great, great key point because everyone's like, oh, this is going to be the highest and best use. Let's just do it all at once. So like, Okay, so maybe just walk us through, you know, the, the last one, like, what did you buy it for? Obviously, you know, you, you've converted it into, into two separate units. And then I think you went ahead and you applied for the, the three units. Where did you put that third unit? And I, I think, it's, you know, on, on top of that, I just want to circle back and say, it's really interesting that you mentioned two basement units if the basement is long. I mean, like the sky is the limit, right? Like you can slice and dice these properties any way you want. It doesn't always have to be your, your you know, one in the basement and one on the main floor and exactly. then trying to find how you're going to do the third one. I think there's really creative strategies, but um, maybe you just walk us through some of those numbers. Sure. So I haven't done this, haven't come fully completed this one yet, but in terms of uh, purchase price, it'd be 460 and it would be a triplex in terms of the split. We'd have one unit on the ground floor, one unit partially on the ground floor, and then the second floor. And then the third unit is in the basement. Very cool. And so what kind of, who on your team is going to be able to help maneuver through this? Like, I mean, obviously you've got an architecture background, but who do you have to help you ensure that this is completed from once you close on the property to the time that you get the refi? Yeah, sure. So definitely work with a real estate agent. Uh, this, pro uh, this property was actually bought on the MLS. It was sitting for, I think, 45 plus days. So again, another story of there's still deals to be had on the MLS. Um, I think there was a period in this year that I think the province was opening up. People were just having fun, not a ton of action going on on the market. So we were able to get this property at a pretty good price. And so I had a real estate agent that I work with 
her name's Erica Spencer for anybody else looking. Um, but yeah, she helped walk through the property. I told her, you know, what I'm looking for, probably a conversion project. And um, she kind of checked some of the main criteria that I look for, kind of what I mentioned. So ceiling height, windows, entries. So generally we knew how that would all work. Um, and then we actually was, we're able to put a conditional offer too. So that gave us an opportunity to work with our mortgage broker and everybody on the team, like lawyer, they're all on the same page. Um, so everybody was comfortable in terms of financing, no problems in terms of closing on it. Um, and then that gave me some time to um, also walk through. I don't always need to feel the need to walk through, but um, in this case, I was only planning on making it a duplex. But then when I walked through, I was like, okay, it's actually larger than I thought based on the photos. And I thought, yeah, why not make it a triplex? It has the spaces, um, again, much bigger. And it had enough kind of bathrooms from the get-go. So it, would, it seemed like an oversized duplex. So I thought, you know, maybe a better strategy is to go triplex. Um, so yeah, it was a mix of, you know, having that power team to make me feel comfortable to kind of put that offer in, get it kind of under contract. And then it allowed me to kind of come up with the final strategy. Very cool. And, you know, I think that the question mark too, as you get into some markets and you're, and you're doing triplexes, I, I will say the biggest challenge and, you know, you feel free to jump in uh, and let me know your thoughts. But the biggest challenge yeah. sometimes can be predicting the after repair value as many investors do not sell those and they keep them. Yeah. And so for sure, you can, you know, ensure that you've got a, a good appraiser that, uh, you know, meets essentially that wh whichever lender you're going with. You know, there's certain ones that we usually ask for. But mm -hmm. aside from that, that's the big question, right, is, is what is the ARV after repair value on some of these properties? Because there are not many comparables and there are not many comparables that are recent as well. Any insights on that? Yeah, it's true. So when I was doing that due diligence in that period of getting the offer in and getting under a contract, I did ask my agent to run some comparables. So um, yeah, what are some prices on triplex? And it's exactly what you said. There weren't a ton. And it was kind of like, here are the duplex prices and here are some fourplexes. And I don't even think there was a triplex in the comparables. So it, it's definitely a thing. And part of it is because a lot of, I think investors don't do triplex conversions as often. So there's fewer of them. And then, yeah, I think it came, it just came down to originally I was kind of thinking of it as a duplex anyways. So it was anything kind of above and beyond that I was comfortable. And I think it ultimately came down to being more conservative with our numbers, thinking about the worst case scenario, are we still comfortable with that? And then if we were, then we could kind of keep moving. Absolutely. I, I think if you ran your numbers as a two unit and they made sense, then you'll get, you'll get a, a good one. And I'd love to hear the results as well, just because I, I literally have a student that is closing on one that's going to become a, a three unit in Welland as well. So, okay, cool. Yeah, we'll do. Let's, uh, let's, let's share what we can. Obviously you, you've alluded to, I think a little bit of maybe Bill 108 with garden suites and, and opportunities to have additional dwelling units. Are you working on anything like that currently? Yeah. So I've been pretty much like analyzing all the properties I have and seeing the possibilities if it can happen. And the well and properties definitely is usually just a case of, you know, is your property kind of 
parcel large enough and that's the case. I analyzed one in Kitchener and, or my property in Kitchener, the lot wasn't big enough and contacting the city, uh, they said I need to apply for minor variance, but they weren't favorable in terms of uh, giving me the minor variance. So I decided not to go ahead. So I think that's like the first step for people. But um, in terms of, I guess, garden suite builds, I've had a lot of inquiries in terms of um, the design practice I have on the side and doing work with other investors, but nobody's pulled the trigger yet. I think a lot of it comes from, and I, I tell people right off the bat, like you can't, it's pretty early days. So in terms of the ARVs and how they're coming in, I think that's still to be determined. So understand that if you're going into this project, um, you know, you there's no guaranteed way to calculate it because it's still like a smaller multifamily and it's still going to go by comparable analysis and that's going to take some time. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's interesting at, at some point, you know, I know there's a bunch in Barrie that are being done. I think it's, I, I haven't heard of anyone doing it in, in well and quite yet. I have a, a few students that have at least gotten all the utilities ready to go. Mm-hmm. When you talked about lot size, I think that's really important. Are you able to share like, I mean, let's just, you know, I know every city is different. They have different criteria, but what are like some like general things to consider to see if your lot is big enough to potentially add a garden suite or, you know, a small prefab building in the back or the side it depends on where it is, I suppose. Yeah, sure. I, I don't have any numbers off, off the top of my head, but I know for like Kitchener, when I was trying to analyze it, I was looking at lot size, uh, setbacks, even like frontage and parking. I would say those would be covering the main ones and then trying to figure that out for each city. But I know even like more recently in Barrie, they've been changing um, the rules for their gardens, wheats and tiny houses um, to basically make it like almost impossible with the given setback requirements. And um, you basically need like an enormous lot to make it possible. And in those zones, you generally don't have people interested in densifying so I think that's the challenge that and I think they added like a bunch of like development fees on top of it as well and timelines which elongate the whole process but yeah it, it is it is interesting I think it's still there's still some opportunity I think it's part of the future once we maneuver through you know some of the red tape uh and some of the unknowns I think it's it could be a great opportunity uh, yeah. to, to do that. Are you, so are you looking into like, if, if, you know, as you're an architect and you've got a bit of background, I know you're doing a little bit of digging prefab stick build, you know, is there a difference between the two that you, you prefer? And, and if so, why? Sure. Yeah. I was, um, designing like a prototype to be prefabricated and possibly deployed. So it could kind of work in various scenarios. And part of that design was kind to trying to, find the parameters that would kind of fit in these various scenarios, given that each city is a little bit different. But for example, I got one costed out. I think it was, it was about uh, 800 square feet, like so 400 square feet um, in terms of floor plate. And then that one was priced out fully finished. So it kind of has the shell, it has all the drywall paint, fully finished. It had like no work and whatnot. So that'd be one thing to compare if you're looking at it stick build versus prefab like how finished is it a lot of things they only give you the shell in which case it's just the exterior bones of it and then you have to think about how are you finishing and coordinating the contractor for that so make sure that you're comparing 
apples to apples. And then, so for that fully costed out, I got a price about 260, 265. And that wasn't including uh, site, site servicing. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey guys, just want to take a quick moment and introduce you to a key member of my power team. Dylan Suter is my realtor who's been working very hard to find me amazing deals. And Dylan, I'm a big proponent in working with realtors that are investors. And Dylan is truly an investor. Welcome, Dylan. And thank you so much for being a sponsor. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I want to first thank you for having us as a sponsor. We're really grateful to be working with you and all of the support you've given us over the past couple of years. So thank you so much for that. And our focus as Elevation Realty is to focus our attention primarily on real estate investors that are looking to replace their active income with a passive income and go enjoy what they like most, such as time with the family or up at the cottage, whatever it may be. So what we do is we focus our attention on creating a plan specific for each client, whether that is something they want to have five properties in five years and be able to sit on them for 10 years and then sell them and retire on the the equity. Or if they're looking to scale their portfolio and retire in the next 12 months, we can look at doing that as well through joint ventures or Airbnb short-term rentals. We can talk through buildings, buy, renovate, refinance, single family purchases, and the list goes on. That's awesome. Now, Dylan, if people wanted to reach out and get help from you, where can they go? They can check us out online at www.elevationrealty.ca, E-L-E-V-A-T-I-O-N, realty.ca, or they can email us at info at elevationrealty.ca, Give us a call or text at 905-592-4220 or check us out at The Right Club or other meetup groups that we're usually at as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, Dylan. It is awesome working with you as always. And now back to the show. And now back to the show. So you're talking about 260, 265 a square foot. Oh, no, thousand. Oh, um, so total. Yeah, total. So in, in terms of square foot... It's about 300, 300 square foot, which is like not too off of the pricing for, you know, regular construction. So if, if anything, a little bit more expensive. I think right now the draw is the quicker timelines. So you can imagine that while your house is being built in the factory, you could be preparing the site and then it can all come together pretty quickly mm-hmm. versus it all has having to be sequenced. I was looking at shipping container homes. And then just having the shipping containers as, you know, the, the prefab piece and the, the numbers seemed a little bit better, but again, like, you know, everybody needs to do their own due diligence and, and whatnot. And then, you know, you got to see if, if you get the lift from it or could mm-hmm. you get the lift from it. But I, I'll tell you, I think one of the things that I see once we figure out the appraisal portion and, and getting the right appraisers, getting the right mortgage brokers to, to help you maneuver through it. I think that it's going to, you know, in my opinion, this will rent better than a basement unit and it probably will rent very similar to like a main floor unit because they've got, even though it could be smaller, they've got their own essentially area where they're not sharing walls and sound and all that good stuff. Yeah, for sure. I think it's potentially even better in my mind than a ground floor unit, right? You don't have to share walls with anybody. It's better uh, sound wise. It's more private. You potentially have, you know, the backyard or back area to yourself. So it's very much like your own, your own house. Um, Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So, so what's your, you know, your next couple of years look like, like, what are you planning on doing? What's next? Big goals, any of that? Sure. Yeah. Like right now, I guess in terms of my real estate portfolio, I, I think I'm pretty 
like comfortable where it's at in terms of growth of that. I think I remember listening to one of your podcasts is bringing up the question of, you know, when do you know it's enough? And when do you know, you know, it's not just about growth. You want to think about what else you want to do. So Mm -hmm. I think for me, it's about working on a lot of passion projects and just thinking about, you know, as an architect, I just love building. So what are the kind of projects that I'm interested in doing? So right now looking at develop, developing a triplex, fourplex in Welland, doing some, uh, I guess, severance work, development work there. And also, yeah, I'm interested in architecture, building technology, how that all kind of comes together. And that's where my interest in prefabricated homes uh, kind of comes from. And there's a ton of potential there's a lot of stuff happening in the States, but not a ton of movement yet in Canada. So there is potential there. And, you know, when it comes to the garden suites and tiny homes, I think it's a very, I, I consider it two different strategies, like prefabrication in general. There's, you know, these small homes, but then there's also these larger developments, but how they kind of work are very different because when you go into kind of like these larger condos and they're kind of built out of these modules, the bigger question is like, how do they connect? And how do you think about like the lifetime servicing of them? And has it been fully thought out? And, you know, I, I could see a lot of challenging, the challenges and issues that come if it's not fully um, thought out and kind of built. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, you know, I do like what you said about your, you're working on your passion product projects because it, like you, you know, I guess, like I said, and like you said, it's not about, how many deals you have, how many, you know, how many numbers of doors, but like, what's the goal? And, you know, a lot of it is goes back to freedom and lifestyle and then picking mm-hmm. and being very selective on the deals you do. I mean, you know, it's, I, I think that's more why many of us do real estate investing. It's not just like, oh, I want to brag. I've got like, you know, X number of doors, hundreds of doors, whatever it is. I mean, it's more of like, to me, that's a much more headaches and potentially, you know, depending, but, uh, you know, a lot more time, you know, versus having the ability to pick and choose which really cool projects you do because you've got a good nest egg portfolio that's giving you what you need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like it for me. I find doing the conversion projects, they're fun, but it's more fun bringing someone along now, like teaching them the strategy and maybe partnering up on a project like that. And then on my own projects, beginning to test out some ideas, maybe a little riskier, maybe less proven. I won't necessarily bring on a partner that wants to take on that risk. So if I can explore that in my own time and I'm interested in that, I can do that, but then continue to bring value to other people who are interested in real estate investing. Very cool. I love that. Victoria, I mean, we can keep talking forever and and I'd love to have you back and see where, you know, what really cool projects you're working on. But the next part is our lightning round. So I'm going to ask you five questions. You're going to give me the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready to play? Yes. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Complete Properties. If you need a great property manager to help you in the Niagara, Hamilton, and Burlington markets, reach out to Margaret Cameron at 905-920-7886. She can also be reached at margaret at completepminc.com via email or the website completepropertiesinc.com. All right, so question number one, what is your favorite real estate investing book? Okay. Uh, I don't know if it's real estate investing specifically, but it's called Who Not How. I've yeah, read that this book. year. 
Okay. Yeah. And it's just been a great strategy for me to learn or concept. Um, you know, I've been doing a lot of that stuff in real estate myself for so long and just breaking that mindset of like, I don't need to know it all. I don't need to do it all. I need to build a team. And that's key when it comes to real estate. Absolutely. Learn to delegate and find people to do things that you a, can't do as well or that you could use your time to do something better. So great, great book. Number mm-hmm. two, this doesn't have to be real estate specifically, but you have a favorite podcast. Oh yeah. I was thinking about this question. I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but maybe favorite right now. And it's called Trading Secrets. And I was really into reality TV in my like younger years. And this podcast breaks down the finance part of that. So they talk about some people in social media and how they break down some of their deals. It's very interesting in just understanding the deal side of things and when it comes to media. So it kind of just expanded my mind to the possibilities of how do you break up and form a different kind of deal, even outside of real estate. All right. Very cool. Number three, what do you do for fun aside from real estate and architecture? I love traveling. I love being active, been playing beach volleyball, volleyball, uh, golf, been picking that up through COVID. So yeah, just enjoy being out active and being in the outdoors. All right. Awesome. Number four, if you lost all of your money and you lost all of your assets tomorrow, how would you start again? I mean, I'd partner, I guess. I'd try to leverage the, the knowledge I have. That was my first deal. I was partnering with my sisters and I managed to convince them. So it'd be kind of the same way I'd start in the same way that I started originally. All right. Very cool. And if somebody, question number five, if somebody has $50,000, they want to get started, how would you recommend they spend their money? Uh, I'd find a market that allows them to get in uh, as early as possible, like put 5% down, 10% down, something like that, and uh, see how long that or how far that takes you. And not let distance kind of get in the way of, you know, thinking about the market that you choose. And that's how I kind of started just choosing the market based on what I could afford. And then beyond that, again, thinking about leveraging your network, seeing if there's ways to partner and again, stretching the money that you have even further. All right. Amazing. Thank you for playing the lightning round. Victoria, where can my listeners reach out and find out more? Yeah, that's why the probably Instagram, my handle is buildxlab. And if you're interested in design, uh, you can reach out to me on my website. Uh, My email is info at buildxdesign.ca. Website is buildxdesign.ca. And yeah, those would be the two best ways. Amazing. Victoria, thank you so much for being on the show, sharing the insights, the knowledge, and uh, your success. So really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Sarah. Hey, guys. Before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons. And at the time, they all seemed very valid. But as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away. And eventually only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven figure portfolio 
consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step -step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.